0: Wednesday edition of the podcast smack dab in the middle of your week, bringing you some NFL action, some NFL talk to help you get through the week today. We got a fun topic. This one was kind of out of the blue, but I really liked it. So I decided to run with it and what Ben and I have brought to the table. I think that you guys are going to really enjoy. We are looking back on the 2021 NFL draft and Ben and I are each bringing three trades to the table that we wished would have happened or just plain should have happened or really just scenarios that we wanted to discuss, some potential movement that obviously did not come to pass, did not come to life, but maybe it should have for one one reason or the other. Sometimes it'll be advantageous for one team, sometimes it will have been very advantageous for both, and we could have made it happen. I'm sure that there are a couple that are a little more far-fetched than others, but it's going to be a great discussion. Anyways, Ben, before we get into those trades that we have concocted, how are you, my friend?
1: Everything is delicious. Thank you for asking. Uh this I feel like is very much so a fun off-season podcast but also st- like still relevant and interesting to like what's immediately happening now cuz not only is it is it the draft but also like we pick stuff that like could kind of still happen in different ways. A little bit, yeah. Could have recently been changed NFL history. I don't know. Like it's good hypothetical stuff.
0: I think so too. I look, you know, anytime you look at a draft class that has already come to pass, and you play the "what if" game, it gets real dangerous. You know, like you can get real depressed as a football fan the further back you, you would go.
1: Know, Mister, <laughs> Uh what would happen, or whatever the heck the thing is called.
0: Here we oh, go. Oh, the "hear me out" series. Yeah, 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 dude. It it is crazy though. How you know when we started that video series, and if you guys haven't seen it. I encourage you to go over to the Draft Network's YouTube channel because we've got five episodes. I think we did five. We did five this season, basically where we just changed one thing where like either, either a player goes to a different team or maybe he went to a different university before he came out in the NFL draft. And if you change one thing for, of course, a major name, there's so many different dominoes that fall in the other direction. And uh, yeah, I guess it could be exciting for some fan bases, but also can send you into a deep depression <laughs> when you look at, oh, my team selected an offensive guard that was out of the league in three years and could have selected like, I don't know one of the best wide receivers of the last decade or something like that. I'm, I'm I'm pulling this out of my butt. I don't have an exact example, but that's normally how it goes. Ben, I will give you the floor first, and I will let you talk about whichever one of your three trades you want to kick us off here.
1: I'm gonna go, so I'm gonna go for my big kahuna early, right? Okay, so, like so you're you you're coming
0: out with the heat. So you're you're you, you you saying that also is making sure that people just turn off the podcast immediately after this discussion.
1: No, I just feel like I want to start us off with a bang, and then we're going to have other interesting stuff, and then you can finish us off with a bang.
0: Okay, so this is—all right, this is a good strategy. This is this is on-the-fly strategy is, podcasting yeah. here, which is what we do is very, what very
1: well. I'm saying. All right, so, hit me with it. We both had at least one decently big quarterback-centric trade. Mine concerns the New England Patriots. When I did Fan Friday with Mark Schofield last past Friday because you abandoned me and you left me to go, I don't know, be with your family or something stupid. <laughs> okay. Um you, uh, we, M- Mark got asked with the reports and Cam struggling in the rain, the fact right. that he's already dealt with an injury in camp. Right. Uh, and it seems like, you know, there's a chance that Mac is going to start. Is that a non zero chance? Like, what do you think that is? What should we expect? He got basically asked that question, which is to say that the Patriots sat there at 15, didn't trade up, let a quarterback fall to them, and took that guy, Mac Jones. And we've talked about and I've written about to what degree Mac's really a fit for what they want to do. Uh, how he's kind of incongruous in terms of his skill set with what cam is. And so they have to have two different offenses and how that can make this year tricky. I think Belichick is going to hang around. I think, you know, there's no reason to believe that he's going to retire anytime soon, but he is 69. Nice. So if Belichick were in, I'm trying to win now mode. I'm trying to prove that I don't need Tom to win. And I'm going to win a couple more championships and I'm going to retire. I think it would have been a lot more aggressive going up to get a quarterback. Fold in now you know, that's perspective A. Perspective B is again something we've talked about, which is the freaking Atlanta Falcons who are like, "Yeah, well, let's let's make this draft Kyle Pitts, we get a tight end, we're going to be really good throwing the football. And let's restructure Matt Ryan and let's let's win now, baby. Let's go. We got a good team, good offense now, baby. Here we go." And then they trade away Julio Jones, get to have any money to sign their rookies. <laughs> <laughs> which is not good team
0: building. No, it's not. You, it's
1: really you not. Want, you want to organize your team building in ebbs and flows. You want to ha- uh, be uh, cognizant of windows. This is not what the Falcons elected to do when they decided to make some short term moves like restructuring Matt Ryan, which makes it harder to move on from him, like drafting Kyle Pitts, but then trading uh, Julio Jones. The, those first moves are short terms and the Julio trade is obviously a long term move. And so, We think now, knowing what we know, especially with the Julio trade, that we should get the Falcons out of four. And again, with the Patriots being more aggressive, maybe to to maximize now their winning opportunity. Uh, I have the Falcons turning back from four, the Patriots trading up from 15, uh, which would cost at least 15, 46 next year's first and then probably another day two pick. stuff that we talked about before during mock draft machine. Uh, you know simulations and whatnot, but you're talking about at least two firsts, second round this year, and then probably, especially if the Falcons are being more so future oriented, a second round pick next year, uh, make that trade, and if the, the the top three remain the same, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance then obviously Mac is still on the board for you at four, but also Justin Fields is. And I comped Fields to baby Cam. That's what I thought was the best comparison for him in terms of the size, uh, the running ability. People like the Dak comparison, and I get it, mm-hmm. but Dak ain't built like that. Uh, Fields' build is really something else, and his speed at his build is something else. So that that, that frame, that size, that arm strength, uh, that to me was all very Cammy, uh, And so I think now you've got a perfect Cam understudy To the point where if Cam is struggling to throw in the rain. He is struggling to grip the ball. And he does have injuries. You can put Fields in there in year one. And if you still want to stick with your Cam playing. Because he's fine. Then that's okay. Fields is going to be able to learn a lot from him. In terms of how to run NFL offenses. With that particular skill set. So I would have liked to have seen that trade. I think it would have made more sense for both teams. On their current arcs.
0: Yeah. There was the report that came out. That the Patriots were in talks with the Falcons. For the number four overall pick. And it was kind of a. It was a deal that also had to do with Julio Jones I believe was it was in the report and it was it was this mega deal that would have happened between the two sides and obviously that didn't come to fruition but it is hard for me to come to grips with the fact that the patriots they were talking about moving all the way up to number 4 overall and then Nothing. Like, they just stayed at 15. That's what was so hard for me to believe because as the draft continued to go on, as Justin Fields continued to fall lower and lower, I I said to myself, I was like, man, how are the Patriots not moving up? How are they not getting aggressive? So, it didn't even have to be at number four overall. I I just couldn't believe they didn't move up at all because if they were having pre-draft talk of moving to number four, they were clearly... Higher on Justin Fields, right? Because everybody in the media. How much, how much
1: pre-draft talk were they having about trading up to four?
0: Well, I just remember that I I, I had seen a report of it. I I don't I don't know how solidified it okay. was. I just remember that like this was a this was a thing that was out there that they might be going for this. I don't know who knows. So this was just something that I remember reading pre-draft. But I I think the main point to me is I was shocked at how passive. The New England Patriots were when it came to this draft. They had eight picks. They lost their third round pick, so they didn't have that ammunition to move, but. I thought that they were going to be a lot more aggressive and what was going on. Maybe, this, maybe it was just a rumor. Maybe this was something that that wasn't actually true about what the Patriots were looking to do. And, and who knows? Because it's definitely smoke right. screen season when you get all kinds of uh, uh, of talk weeks going up into the draft. So maybe this wasn't an actual thing. But all of this to say, I was very shocked that the Patriots were not more aggressive as were you. So that's a trade that you said you thought should happen. My first trade also has to do with the Atlanta foul because I figured that we would probably get those out of the way. At the beginning, because this was such a turning point in the draft, right. I would have liked to see the Falcons. And we know that this happened because this came out when, I believe it was when the Falcons released their like post-draft, here's what happened on draft weekend video, or maybe it was just going off the Lions. The Detroit Lions tried to move up to number four. They called the Atlanta Falcons in a discussion that they had had pre draft to set the price. And they called them once again when the Atlanta Falcons were on the clock on draft night and said, Hey, here, like the deal still stands. Do you want to do this? We don't know exactly what the deal was, but I'm sure it had to do with them moving from number four to number seven so the Lions could go up and get what we believe is Penny Sewell because. For as much as they might, may have loved Jamar Chase, for as much as we heard in the pre-draft process that they really loved him as a wide receiver, that they thought he was a, an impact takeover wide receiver one kind of a player, you saw the reaction in the video with the Lions of how pumped they were to get Penny Sewell. So yes. I, I think that the Lions would have been trading up for Sewell, so they would have drafted Sewell at four, Chase would have still gone five to the Cincinnati Bengals, Kyle Pitts probably then would have went six to the Miami Dolphins. Agree. And then sitting at number seven would have been the Atlanta Falcons and Justin Fields could have been there. So you could have moved back from number four to number seven, probably got a pretty hefty price and still got Justin Fields. And I wish that that's a deal that they would have made because you would have been sitting there saying to yourself, we could be comfortable with either of these players because either Kyle, either Kyle Pitts is making to us, making it to us at number seven, or we're picking Justin Fields. Probably Kyle Pitts is getting picked at number six. That's what I believe would have happened. But still, you would have been able to get Jelson Fields at seven. I also have another trade that could have happened with Julio Jones. I wish the Falcons, if they were going to deal Julio at any point, would have dealt him on draft night because you could have played with emotions, I think, of teams. And when I look at maybe getting more value than they actually got for Julio after the fact, which was just a second and a fourth round pick, I look at a team like the Baltimore Ravens, who are picking at number 27, selected a wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Do a deal with Baltimore. Give them Julio Jones, and then you get a first round pick out of it before they're able to draft a wide receiver that they want to right there. Tell them, hey, you're in a winning window. You're going after a Super Bowl right now. Go get like we have Julio Jones. You could take him, just give us 27 overall. And I think that they could have, I mean, they might have swapped a couple of picks after that. But I wish yeah, that yeah. would happen. That that would have been the way to do it for me. Because we've talked about it on this podcast. It just feels like the Falcons' plans and how they went about this offseason were going in different directions. It was pulling you one way to win now, and then it was also pulling you the other way to set yourself up for the future. And sometimes those things can go together. It's not like you can do all of one and none of the other. Team building and good GMing is all about balancing those two things, when you're in a winning window and when you're not. But it felt like the way the Falcons were doing it, they were taking away from each other. So I wish they would have gone into more of a rebuild mode because I think that that's where the Falcons are. I would have liked to see them pick up Justin Fields, and they could have done that clearly in a trade down. So I wish they would have done that. And then if you're going to deal Julio, deal it on draft night. Get more capital out of it. Make something happen at number 27. You know, you could draft a Tevin Jenkins at that point, get another offensive tackle that you're very comfortable with, and then shoot. At number uh what were they picking? Forty? I think they picked forty in the second round. Take Aaron Banks. You know what i like get get Justin Fields, get a good offensive tackle, get another good guard, and then you're sitting there with Jake Matthews, you got Chris Lidstrom, you got Tevin Jenkins, you got Aaron Banks, and you got uh Justin Fields. Right. There you go. That's your rebuild. Mm-hmm. I feel like that, that would have been. I've said it right for once, I've
1: said it a billion times. The Falcons' offensive line is bad, and the fact they didn't draft anybody for it is bad. They drafted Drew uh and I think that I think the biggest hurdle the arthur smith offense is gonna to have to deal with in year one it's not gonna be oh no julio oh and kyle Pitts. think it's gonna be dealing with that offensive line uh because i'm not sure they're gonna be able to do what he needs them to do
0: yeah I, they drafted Jalen mayfield as well but you know, uh, well okay so Jalen yes, mayfield maybe is more, draft so,
1: better offensive line right
0: i mean G- Jalen mayfield for as much as i think that he i do have think that Jalen Mayfield actually has pretty good potential in uh, as an interior offensive lineman. He's still a project there. And I think that you could have gone to greater lengths to make sure you're fortifying your offensive line and get your quarterback in the future in there. That's what I felt like the Falcons should have done. So those are trades that I wish would have happened before we get to our next trades. Got to remind the people that bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. You can get all the latest news, odds, info for all of your sporting needs, which include MLB, NBA, NHL, and all the UFC MMA action on the weekends as well. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in on the action as teams prep for their playoff runs, you can get the weekend action coming up, all kinds of things. Head over to the website or you can use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use our promo code LOCKED ON. All caps, one word, on. On Bet Online, your online sportsbook. Experts, more hypothetical, what should have happened trades for the 2021 NFL draft coming up after the break. All right, we each have one hypothetical trade down. I figured that we were gonna get the Falcons involved pretty early on in this exercise. But Ben, what is your second trade that you wished would have happened on draft weekend?
1: Firstly, I would like to, to emphasize that. I'm not. I do not co-sign the Julio trade because I wanted. I'm. I want Rashad Bateman in Baltimore.
0: I mean, I sure, but uh, follow me here. You ready? You, you ready? Okay. You got your map out? You follow me?
1: Yeah, I'm with you.
0: Julio Jones in Baltimore.
1: Okay, you, see, you make a compelling case now. Right? I didn't consider that. <laughs> no, I just... I think Bateman will be very good for them, and then I think I get to be obnoxious about Bateman, who I love. And yeah, uh, this, go to Baltimore, is, this is fair. Maybe he goes somewhere worse. Ooh, but also, does,
0: like... Hold up, where does he go? Okay, can we play this game real quick?
1: Yes. Wasn't there a rumor that there were... If I'm remembering this correctly, I might be making this up, that if Bateman made it to Green Bay at 28, they were taking him. I distinctly remember that being a thing, like, on draft night. Excuse me, to 29.
0: I mean, that's where my eyes go immediately after that, you know? If Bateman's not going 27— April 28th,
1: April 28th uh, per Dan Graziano and, Je- and Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, Packers have done, quote, a lot of research— on Rashad Bateman from oh, Pro boy. Football Talk.
0: Oh, boy. Ravens
1: took Rashad Bateman at 27, thinking Packers would taking him at 29. Okay, I accept. Never mind. Oh. And then my son Rashad Bateman down to Green Bay, and he becomes the next Devontae Dude. Adams. Thank you. Rashad Bateman and Devontae Adams?
0: Oh, it yeah. might be enough for Aaron Rodgers to stick I, around.
1: I like it. Yeah, which big brain plays. Humongous noggin plays. You ready yeah, which for which
0: is what this co- podcast is all about.
1: Eric DaCosta drafts. Rashad Bateman at 27 not only because he's a good player not only because he'll rejuvenate the passing game but because he knows that the Packers then will not take a wide receiver round one which will piss off Aaron Rodgers Mm. even more Mm. which will then create problems in Green Bay Mm. which not only removes a contender from the potential uh, you know, uh, pool of NFL contenders that Eric Dacosta has to prepare for and the Ravens have to beat on their upcoming Super Bowl run, but also mm. puts the entire Packers roster in, de- in jeopardy and they start selling pieces because they're in a rebuild and he gets to sign Darnell Savage and Jair Alexander and... Uh, uh freaking David Bakhtiari.
0: Okay, probably not all of them, but you had me not up until
1: that last part. You had yes. me. You had me. The seeds of dissolution he <laughs> sowed in in the Green Bay uh, locker room by sniping Rashad Bateman. Okay, you said something during your Falcons Justin Fields explanation that that uh, dovetails nicely into my second trade. Okay, which is that the Lions were stoked to take Penny Sewell. Yeah, they, they were, were stoked. They were so excited to take Penny Sewell. So let's say you know, things we wish happened. Let's say we knew that the Lions were going to take Penny Sewell if he was there. Let's be more specific. Let's say we knew, let's say the Dallas Cowboys knew that the Lions would take Penny Sewell. And let's say they knew that the Carolina Panthers would take J.C. Horn. And let's say they knew that the Denver Broncos would take Patrick Sertan. Because you and I have sat here on this podcast and said the Cowboys were caught slack-jawed when Sertan and Horn went off the board. They had their pants around their ankles. They were not ready for one of those two corners to not make it to them. So if they knew that was going to be the case, instead of trading back for Michael Parsons, what if they wanted to trade up to secure one of their cornerbacks, right? That was the position they so desperately needed. Uh, After they made their first round pick in Michael Parsons, they then went on in the second round at 44 to draft a corner in uh, Kelvin Joseph. And then they had three third round picks, and they spent one of those on another corner, and Wright. So they clearly wanted a corner. They needed a corner. They didn't get one in the first round. What if they were able to do so? So the Cowboys start making calls, trying to pick up, get in front of Carolina at 8 and go get a corner. But the Lions aren't going to move out of that spot at 7 because the Lions want Penny Sewell more than life itself. The Dolphins aren't going to move out of that spot at 6 because they were just at 12 after the original Niners trade, and they traded up to 6 to get in this spot. So they're not moving back to 10. I look at the Bengals at 5. The Bengals at 5 had a very interesting conversation. It was between Jamar Chase and Penny Sewell. They needed a wide receiver. They needed offensive tackle. Which one were they going to take? Who did they want the most? Now, they they stayed put, and they took Jamar Chase. And that's not the move that you or I would have made if we stayed there at 5. So let's correct their mistake. The Cowboys call and ask to move from 10 to 5. They offer 44 as well, which is their second-round pick. And the Bengals okay. say, you know what? Our roster's pretty bad. We're happy to do that. It's worth noting that the Bengals, who had pick 38, I want to say, ended up trading that pick back uh with the new england patriots and yep, they moved back they to 46 when they did take jackson carmen so they were willing to move around and recoup some capital so Bengals moved back from five to ten now you say okay well, who lands for the Bengals? watch this the dallas cowboys at five take patrick Sertan. all right we think that was the corner they liked better jc horn whatever doesn't matter at six now the miami dolphins have jamar chase on the board do they still take waddle do they still take chase Let's say right now it's Jamar Chase that they end up taking, but they're taking a wide out. I would think it's Chase. Chase.
0: I would think it's Chase.
1: Yeah, so they take Chase. Okay. Lions at 7. They're holding Pat. They're taking Panay Sewell. Yep. Carolina Panthers at 8. JC Horn's still on the board. They're holding Pat. They're taking JC Horn. Now you're Cincinnati. You're sitting there at 10.
0: By by the way, just so so everybody knows, in the Carolina Panthers post-draft video, Matt Rule did a little, like, are five players that we're targeting at number eight. And he had Jalen Waddle there below JC Horn. So I agree. I do think that JC Horn would have still there. Now, uh, of course, there's the, they're not going to put anything out on the video that would have compromised their, okay. Yeah, like, I I get it, but I genuinely do think that they would have picked JC Horn over Jalen Waddle. I still think that that would have been the case.
1: Right. I think that's the case as well. And so now at Denver, the Denver Broncos have have nine, and then you're the Bengals sitting there at 10. Jalen Waddle. Devontae Smith are both still on the board. So you could have traded back from five to 10 and still gotten one of the top wide receivers Mm. while also grabbing an extra second round pick Mm. because when the Cowboys move up and they take Patrick Sertan, they knock everybody down a peg. And so now you have both, both those wide receivers are available. Even if the Broncos take one, which isn't guaranteed because the Broncos wide receiver core is already super freaking deep. You get at least one still left on the board. Rashawn Slater who maybe was not in range for you at five, is now in range for you at 10. He's going to go three picks later to the Chargers, so it's not unreasonable you can take him. So you can solve your Chase Sewell problem by passing on it, not unlike I did last podcast where I did not want to pick positions before you did because I couldn't make a decision. You move back five spots, you get an extra second-round pick, and you can still get a top wide receiver. You can still get a top tackle. And now you have more ammunition to fill whatever spots you didn't fill later when you get to pick twice in the top of the second round. So – If the Bengals were honest about their team situation, they're probably taking Sewell at five and not Chase. But if they're even more honest about their team situation and acknowledge that they're not a very good roster, you're able to move back. You can still target top wide receivers. You can still target top tackles because both those positions were deep enough. And you get an extra second round pick. Meanwhile, the Cowboys get the corner that they need. Everybody's happy.
0: I love it it's great yeah,
1: man i mean I this, I, I this is a good example of like if we knew but we didn't and that's why the cowboys then got hacked of course and then the yes. Devontae smith trade happens
0: Yeah, um, they got hecked. <laughs> my thing to add on that because i had like an added trade but i didn't want to make them all about justin fields was that the philadelphia eagles were trading up with the dallas cowboys in number 10 to actually draft justin fields and not draft Devontae smith but either one doesn't really count I actually really, I, right. I, I I love that one. I love I how you walked this
1: through. This, but if the Broncos don't have Sertan and JC Horn on the board, in this instance, Ooh. do they take Field at nine? That's what I'm talking about.
0: Ooh-hoo-hoo.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying.
0: Man, the reality that we make is so much better than actual reality.
1: Reality could be whatever I want it to be, all right? You and I Shout need to family.
0: find the reality stone. What's the, the reality stone? Is the ether right? So we just got to kill the dark elves, yeah. and then find Natalie Portman, and then just she gets the ether, and then we'll just use her to make reality whatever we want. I don't, a don't greatly
1: think greatly underused meme is the reality can be whatever I want. Yeah, is is. meme. I love hitting an extremely unreasonable take. It's like. a Athlete quote that makes no sense, right? And Golden Tate uh, was just talking about teams he wants to play for. He's still a free agent. He was like, "I'm like a fine wine. I, uh, I, 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 I've gotten better as I aged. I haven't been a bit of problem in a locker room anywhere I've gone." And just hit that with reality could be whatever I want. Golden Tate, you're lying. This is not true. None of it's real. Hey, it's true to him. Reality can be whatever he wants,
0: man. It can't, it can't be. The next trade that I'm looking at, it's not as in-depth. It's not as much of a waterfall, but I did look at the Indianapolis Colts who were sitting there at number 21. I wondered if, if Chris Ballard was going to get aggressive in this draft. He obviously did not in the first round because he stayed at 21. They selected Pay, the, the pass rush from Michigan, but they weren't too far away from getting Jalen Phillips, who I think is clearly... The higher talent, I really do. I think that Jalen Phillips and everything that he brings to the table put him uh, ahead above what Quiddie Pay was as a prospect. Now, we've got to get up to 18, right? Because they're picking at 21. Dolphins selected Jalen Phillips at number 18. So what are the areas in which they can trade up? They could move up to 17. But I, I don't know what the Raiders are ever thinking. So who knows if they would have even wanted to move back to 21 because you did have the Washington football team. Miami could have potentially taken an offensive lineman. I guess the Giants could have as well. So you just never really knew. So the Raiders maybe don't take that deal. Arizona Cardinals, though, I look at number 16. They didn't have a lot of draft picks going into this. Remember, this was a team that only had five draft selections going into the draft. They stayed and selected Zaven Collins, the linebacker from Tulsa, but I think that you might have been able to convince them to move down to 21, thinking that there was a chance that Zayn Collins still could have been there. Plus, they would have been able mm-hmm. to get some extra draft capital, mainly a missing third-round pick that they didn't have. Indianapolis could have easily given them their third-round pick, which they had. And if you look at the draft chart, like the draft value chart, which is not law, but it gives you a good idea of where we're thinking here, those would have been the around the 200 points, that it says in the chart from 21 to 16. So 16 is worth about a thousand points. 21 is worth about 800. So an extra third round pick, that would have been an easy 200 that you could have made up right there. You move up, get a better pass pressure. And it really doesn't affect Indianapolis' draft class too much after that. It's not like I, I don't think that they're really missing out uh, on a lot after making that trade. So that's one that I would have liked to see Chris Bauer get a little bit more aggressive. I feel like Chris Bauer's more of a trade back guy than a trade up guy, but would have liked to see him take advantage of popping up a couple of picks with a vulnerable Arizona team. When I say vulnerable, I mean they should have been looking to move back, give them a deal that they like, and go up and get uh, a guy who I thought was a better pass rusher.
1: The Cardinals Zay, holding Pat and taking zaven was always like, if, if that was a trustworthy team, then maybe I'm a little bit like, okay. But with the Cardinals especially, it's just like, Guys, like, this was not worth staying. If you had offers on the table, it just wasn't
0: necessary. Oh, wait, the Colts didn't have— Wait, wait, sorry. The Colts didn't have a third-round pick. They—so they would have yeah, had to they give up— Yeah, him to
1: Carson Wentz, baby!
0: Yeah, so they would have had to give up— I also uh, forgot about that. They would have had to give up a fourth and then either, like, a sixth or a seventh, something like that. But I think that that could have also fun. got the deal done.
1: Yeah. But I just—yeah, I I— To hold Pat in consecutive drafts and take top 16 linebackers in consecutive drafts, and to have a defense that is just going to end up blitzing their linebackers a lot and just select two linebackers who are like really versatile guys and not really have an idea how to use them is just so like, even if this works, which I think it can, like I think Isaiah Simmons can be good. and I think Zayven can be good. Oh man. Like it's just not good resource management is the problem. I don't think so either. Arizona really should have figured out a draft day trade.
0: All right, before we get to our final trades that we believe should have happened on draft day, got to remind people that this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of make and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all of the parts that you need. Why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions while you wait and the person behind the counter just orders your parts on their computer anyways. Why don't you do the ordering of the parts on your computer? Cut out the middleman. You can now with rockauto.com. No reason to spend 30%, 50%, even 90%, 100% more for the same parts when you could just order it yourself. Rock Auto's, rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving do-it-yourselfers for over two decades. The price is always reliably low. They've got everything you need at a super easy-to-navigate website go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts that they have for your car or truck and write locked on nfl draft in their little how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you their way they got an amazing selection always reliably low prices and all the car parts you are ever going to need over at rockauto.com builtbar.com also has the best tasting protein bars on the planet. Not only are these protein bars great tasting, they're great for you. They're low in calories, low in sugar, but high in protein, high in fiber as well. If you've never had them before, head over to their website, use the promo code LOCKED15, that's LOCKED15, and try them out. We guarantee that you will not be disappointed. You can have them morning, noon, night, whenever you want to put them in your diet. You're going to get 15% off of your first order by using the promo code LOCKED15 over at BuiltBar.com. Give us your final trade, Ben. What's the hypothetical? What's the, uh, the the last one that you're bringing to the table? What should have happened? Two teams,
1: different stages of team building. You know, freaking get get together and figure out something that's mutually beneficial. Sounds good to uh, me. Kansas City, Kansas City Chiefs traded away the number 31 overall pick to the Baltimore Ravens for uh, they selected Odafe. Oh, the Kansas City Chiefs got Orlando Brown. Needed a left tackle after electing not to return Eric Fisher off of his Achilles injury. Orlando Brown needed to get out of Baltimore because he wanted to play left tackle. And Baltimore already had a left tackle. Mutually beneficial, good deal for everybody. Kansas City offensive lines redo looks pretty great. How much does Kansas City need a first round pick? Not really that much. You're always going to be able to attract free agents because you're going to have Patrick Mahomes forever, uh, and you're always you're going to be a competing team. Definitely this year, probably for the next three years. So usually when you trade for a guy and then you have to extend him, that's not necessarily great business for the Chiefs. It's probably okay because the Chiefs don't have to be as responsible with good drafting as other teams do because they have the ace in the hole who's Patrick Mahomes. So they're always going to be afraid and drawn. They're always going to be able to compete. So as I've said on this podcast before, the Chiefs' edge room is disgusting. Uh, before Frank Clark was arresting California for driving around with a handgun in a bag, not, I, don't, I don't even know if it's a handgun. Not Before a he was right, he had a he had a firearm out and he was driving That's bad. Uh, Frank Clark, Taco Charlton, Mike Dana, Tim Ward, Joshua who who is a fourth-round pick for them in the 2021 draft. That's the edge room. It's terrible. Uh, they seem to have no interest in generating an outside pass rush. They're happy to just blitz like crazy under Steve Spagnuolo, which works to a degree, but you'd really like to have a guy who's able to win one-on-one. There are some high-profile edges who maybe could have been available. Uh, Chandler Jones for the Cardinals being one of them. I I recently wrote about how Chandler's contract holdout because he's not getting an extension, so he's holding out of camp. Makes a lot of sense because he's been really freaking good. And the Chiefs were like, or excuse me, the Cardinals were like, what if we extend Rodney Hudson after we trade for him? What if we extend DeAndre Hopkins after we trade for him? What if we extend JJ Watt, who's older and hasn't been as effective recently? And then Chandler Jones was like, may I please have an extension? And they were like, that's unreasonable. So uh, Chandler Jones, hold up, makes sense. If you're able to move a guy like that for less than a first, the chiefs would be all over it. I'm just not sure you could. Uh, Vaughn Miller is another guy who's rumored, you know, he's only on a one year club option. Are they going to trade for him? There's no way that's happening in the division. So I had to go outside and go for a little bit of a lower level edge in Derek Barnett, who plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. Derek Barnett is currently playing on his fifth year option, uh, which means he's due over ten million. But it's all base salary. So if you gave him like a two three year like extension, I should say like a two year extension, so it was a three year deal. Uh, you could get that money prorated pretty easily, just convert it into signing bonus, and you could get him on like a three year, three-year, year eighteen million dollar deal, which is a fine number for somebody like Derek Barnett. Barnett is a five to six to seven sack per year player Uh, in his rookie season. He played 15 games and had five sacks in his most recent season. He played 13 games. He had five and a half sacks. It is just who he is. He's just going to be steady edge to production. And that's better than anything the Chiefs have right now outside of Frank Clark and arguably with Frank Clark included. Uh, He can win your one on ones. He's also a very, very good run defender, which is what you can see on the theme for the Chiefs Defensive line, Taco Charlton, Mike Dana, those are big, long guys who are able to defend the run. So he fits that, which is what they want out of their edges because, like I said, they're not going to be a a four-man pressure team anyway. And the Eagles seem very unlikely to extend Derek Barnett. The fact that they picked up this fifth-year option was already pretty dumb to begin with because they have Josh Sweat behind him. They uh, just brought in Ryan Kerrigan. They have Joe Osman, They have Gennard Avery. They have young guys that they're trying to develop into ed- into more impactful edges, and they're not going to be a very good team. So there's no real reason to extend to Derek Barnett. If they do, it, maybe if they get good market value, then it's fine. But Barnett is what he is, and the team is no longer, I think, thinks they're competing right now, which is what they did when, when they picked up the Derek Barnett fifth-year option. And So I have them trading Derek Barnett to the Chiefs for – that same fourth-round pick that the Chiefs selected Joshua Kendo with, because is a little bit of a developmental guy. Barnett can actually start for you right now, which, again, the Chiefs are going to be competing. They don't really need developmental guys. That was the last compensatory selection in the fourth round, pick 144, which the Chiefs used to select Kando, which, if Derek Barnett left Philadelphia and signed a three-year $15, year $18 million deal somewhere, he would maybe recruit, recoup a fourth or a fifth-round compensatory selection. So you get your compensatory selection a year early, and you don't have to worry about signing contracts at free agency that might cancel out that compensatory contract. You just get the pick right away, and the Chiefs get the player right away. If the Chiefs are comfortable extending Derek Barnett, makes sense for both sides. Bang.
0: All right. Lays yeah, it out. Not as sexy, but good business. Now, look. Science. Can't argue with it. Science. <laughs> for my last pick, I have another one that's not flashy, but it's it, it's one that I think should have been made. Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, you and I didn't really love their draft class as a whole. Weird prioritization, especially when they had needs along the offensive line and they went for some positions that just really uh, probably aren't going to help them or fill the major holes that they had along the premium positions, more premium positions, I should say. They're sitting here in the second round. They're picking 55 and they select Pat Fryermuth, the tight end out of Penn State. They don't have the chance to really select a good offensive lineman because they're all gone at this point. Oh. Okay. Because right, went
1: like four picks ago.
0: <laughs> between picks 37 and 51, which is Landon Dickerson went 37 to the Philadelphia Eagles and Samuel Cosme went 51 to the Washington football team. But in those 14 picks, Seven offensive linemen went off the board. Dickerson, Tevin Jenkins, Liam Eikenberg, Walker Little, Jackson Carmen, Aaron Banks, Samuel Cosby. And so I would have loved for the Pittsburgh Steelers to use one of their, at the time, eight selections because they had nine total. You already used their first round pick. Use one of those picks to move up from 55 somewhere into that range to go get yourself Liam Eikenberg. I mean, Eikenberg being available at 42, it should have been easy money for them to move up and go get him. You got Eikenberg sitting there at 42. You got Aaron Banks at 48. You got Cosme at 51. I mean, the Steelers should have... I don't have an exact player in mind because it could have really been anywhere. There would have been any of these guys that they could have gone up to select. We've talked about our... I don't want to say disdain. Disdain, it feels like way too harsh of a word. We just weren't fans of what the Steelers were doing and how they approached this draft. I feel like it could have been very easy for them to give up some pick in the mid-rounds. They had an extra fourth-round pick. They had an extra seventh-round pick. Package a couple of moves, and just move up a couple of spots there's somebody's going to move back with you. It's not going to be that steep of a price. You're only picking a 55. So I think that it would have been very easy for the Steelers to go up and address their offensive line a lot better than they did, a lot sooner than they actually did. I know they got a couple of offensive linemen later in the draft, right around the middle, but I think they could have made a bigger splash, a splash that they really needed to. And so, yeah, I think the Steelers could have easily done it, and I would have loved to see that happen for them.
1: Firstly, I would like to open with, I am... I'm disdainful when I view the Pittsburgh Steelers okay, draft. I'm right. filled so, with disdain. So that was the correct I word for you. I have got love for Najee Harris. I got love for Pat Fryermuth, I got love for freaking Kendrick Green. I have disdain for the way that the Pittsburgh Steelers approach their draft. Disdainful. Uh, Perfectly fine with that. Secondly, uh, the other thing with, with the Pat Fryermuth selection, even like not within the framework of they should get an offensive line, is... How just I don't want you've too many mouths to feed. There's the you're gonna get diminishing returns, at least in the short term. I understand long term, maybe not so. You saying for Friday? Yes, you're gonna get diminishing returns from picking an offensive weapon, a pass catcher, when at least this year, you already have five of them. You know what I mean? And so okay, then you say, All right, well, you're gonna move on from Eric Ebron, you're gonna move on from Juju Smith Schuster. Okay, well then, now you have Frymuth to be your fourth target, your third target after James Washington leaves. You don't need to be taking that player at 55 overall, two years in advance. Not when you have Not offensive line needs. Okay, no. Right, and and too much is going to happen between now and then to be like really confident in that arc.
0: Right. You know, and right, I, I, right. I, I,
1: we've talked before like tight ends take a while to develop, and so if you really want to prepare for your post Ebron life. That's fine. I get that for sure. But that's where, right? You start to fold in and say, but this team has other needs. You know what I mean? So yep. Friar could end up quite a good player for them, uh, and that pick could look good. It's just, it's like the the Cardinals and the linebackers. How you want to be allocating your resources? This to me just feels uh, needless, right? It's not the the top priority. It's it's a luxury you cannot afford.
0: It's also a little bit of a a little bit of what we talked about with the Falcons, where they're kind of going different directions, right? I mean, like, you got Ben Roethlisberger, and he's got one, maybe two years max left for you. And I do understand, like, putting the best offensive weapons around him that you possibly can, but you certainly need an offensive line. Like, at this point, for the Steelers, that's more important. Unless they just really believe in the guys they got coming up, which we've been told, I guess, that they do for a couple of those players. But still, man, I I think that they're going in the wrong direction. I think that even if Pat Friarimuth really breaks out, like you said, in... Two, three years, whatever it is, they're going to be moving on. Like, they're going to be on the new, I don't want to say new regime because that makes me, that, that makes it sound like I think Mike Tomlin's going to be gone. They're going to be on to the next chapter. Like, Ben Rothersberger is going to be gone and it's going to be a rebuild. Like, they're going to be finding out what their identity is after Roethlisberger. So, I, I don't even think that it really helps them for where they currently are. This is a move that I, I don't think really needed to be made. Unless they just think that for our mute, this is the next George Kittle or something. So I I would have definitely gone offensive line here. That's one that I really wanted to see happen with the Pittsburgh Steelers.
1: What is going to help? What's going to help Ben more if he does have one year left, which I'm not sure he does. Offensive line. Right. Uh, Tight end two is not it, man. no. No. No quarterbacks ever been saved by tight end two.
0: I think that people would say like, oh, what do you expect a rookie offensive lineman to save?" Ben? And I, I get that argument. I get that point. But you still have needs along the offensive line. That still, to me, is more important than tight end two. Yeah. Those are my thoughts.
1: You know, but that's just me. That's just me. That's just my opinion. It's just that a player that's going to play 100% of the snaps probably matters more than a player that's going to play 30% of the snaps. That's just me. It's just me.
0: That is just you. All right, there we go. That's the hypothetical trades that we wished would have happened for a variety of different reasons. If there's any other trades that you guys think of that you would have loved to see either your team or another team make, hit us up on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey, at Benjamin like, We'd love to hear from you. You guys have great football opinions as well. We got one more podcast episode this week. It's everybody's favorite day. It's Fan Friday coming up at the end of the week. Make sure you are Hitting us up at our Twitter handles right there to get in on the show. I'm going to be sending out the question and answer form on sometime on Thursday. I it just it'll be sometime on Thursday, either morning or night. And then you could hit me up on Instagram as well at Tampa Bay Trey. You can message me there if you got a question. and You don't have Twitter, or of course if you are in the TDM Premium Slack, I'll see all your questions there as well. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here I'm Locked On NFL Draft.